Living Hope is a church striving to become a 21st century apostolic church. We are founded upon the belief that the Bible is the inspired, infallible Word of God. We believe in the Great Commission, and we are endeavoring to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with love, mercy, and truth. Listen in as we share the Word, and that, through Jesus Christ, hope is alive. Good morning. I'm going to take this off. Ah, I can breathe. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? Good. Wow, Brother Roberts just threw me right under the bus. <laughs> no, that's fine. I think most of you already knew that anyway. Uh, not engaged. You know, he is speaking by faith. But and, and I will be back before the end of the year. I will be um, probably my next service here will actually be our Christmas service, the 20th. So I've not backslidden. I've not, you know, gone off the deep end or anything. I've just you know, gone overseas. So anyways, so um, I'm going to jump right in. So if y'all would stand um, and turn to the book of Job, chapter 36. And while you're turning there, I just want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Staten who are not here. I'm so grateful for them, um, for their leadership, for their their hand and their voice in my life. I would not be who or where I am today without them. Thank you, brother and sister Roberts. I love you both. They're my parents, uh, my Maryland parents, and I'm very thankful for them. Thank you all for being here this morning. It's a it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, and there's no other place I hope you would rather be. There's no place I'd rather be. So um, we're going to go directly to the word. I'm going to read from the message Bible. It is on the screen, but if you want to follow along in your Bible, uh, whatever version you have, that's fine as well. So jumping right in, verse uh, 22 of chapter 36. It says, do you have any idea how powerful God is? Have you ever heard of a teacher like him? Has anyone ever had to tell him what to do? Or correct him saying, God, you did that all wrong. Remember then to praise his workmanship, which is so often celebrated in song. Everybody sees it. Nobody is too far away to see it. So take a long, hard look. See how great he is, infinite, greater than anything you could ever imagine or figure out. He pulls water up out of the sea. He distills it. He fills up his rain cloud cisterns. Then the skies open up and they pour out soaking showers on everyone. Does anyone have the slightest idea how this happens? How he arranges the clouds, how he speaks in thunder. Just look at that lightning, his sky filling light show. It illuminates the dark depths of the sea. These are the symbols of his sovereignty, his generosity his loving care. He hurls arrows of light, taking sure and accurate aim. The high God roars in the thunder, angry against evil. Amen. That's the God we serve. Aren't you thankful that that is the powerful, almighty God that we serve? If you want to just raise your hand, we're going to pray. Lord, thank you for your goodness, your mercy. God, thank you for bringing us here this morning, God, that you have kept us from danger seen and unseen. God, I ask you, Lord, as you have already shown yourself in our pre-service prayer, God, that you would just continue to manifest yourself today in a mighty, powerful way. God, we exalt you. Open our hearts, our minds, God, to receive what your word desires to speak to us this morning. God, let your word flow through me, God. Lord, and I pray that you would have your way in Jesus' name. 
Amen. You may be seated. All right, so that was kind of a lot of talk about rain and clouds and thunder in the book of Job. So I want to get scientific just for a minute uh, because I want to just lay a little bit of a foundation. I am not a scientist. I know that's shocking. So I want to keep it real simple for us. So rain, where does it come from? So according to easyscienceforkids.com, I told you I was going to keep it simple. Rain makes the grass green. It makes your garden grow. Have you ever wondered what makes rain, though? There are always tiny drops of water vapor in the air. Warm air has more water vapor than cold air, which is why it is often humid in the summer. The sun is what warms the air, so warm air rises, and with it, these water droplets or these vapors. These tiny vapors rise even when cold air blows, when cold air blows in, it, it helps it rise more. Mountains can also make them rise. Uh, that's why it rains a lot in the mountains. That's why it can be dry, you know, on the flat land, and then you can look up in the mountains and you can see snow because there's more moisture up there. So when these invisible vapors begin to ascend to heaven, they're all collected together and clouds are formed. The more vapors, the thicker, the heavier the clouds become. When the clouds are full and they can hold no more, the rain begins to fall. Gravity takes, begins to work, and the clouds can no longer contain what is supposed to come down. So back to our text in Job. It says, God pulls up water out of the sea. He distills it. He fills up his rain cloud cisterns. The sky opens, pours out soaking showers on everyone. And these are the symbols of his sovereignty his generosity, and his loving care. So the rain in the natural is the symbol of his sovereignty, his generosity, his love. So what then would be the droplets? What would be the vapors that are going up? What, what would that be symbolic of? Job 36, 29, in the King James Version, it says, Also, can any understand the spreadings of the clouds or the noise of his tabernacle? Can we, can we understand what that is? Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16, it says, And it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem, they shall go up from year to year to worship the king, the Lord of hosts, and to keep the feast of tabernacles. It shall be that whoso will not come up of all the families of the earth to worship the king, even upon them shall be no rain. If the people didn't come to worship the Lord, he's telling him, the prophet is warning them, there will be no rain. So no worship, no rain. Little worship, little rain. We know that in order for the rain to fall, that things have to go up and fill the clouds. So unless praise, worship, as Zachariah said, goes up before God, his reign, his sovereignty, his generosity, and his love, it will not come down. I believe, and I know that you all believe, we need the sovereignty, the generosity, and the love of God more now than ever before. So I believe that Living Hope is an amazing church. I believe we get the principle 
that when praises go up, the blessings of God come down. We are a worshiping church. I'm grateful to be a part of a worshiping church. I've been in some pretty dry churches, but I'm thankful that this is not that. Um, But I do believe that the more understanding we have about things, the more power we have. So since This month, we've been taking things pretty much back to the basics. We've been talking about giving. We've been talking about prayer, um, just kind of rebuilding those foundations. So this morning, I... Uh, I'm going to just want to talk about praise and worship a little bit. You know, it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, the holiday of thankful, thankfulness. So um, I just want to take talk about praise and worship this morning. Uh, the title of my lesson this morning, if you want to write that down, is, um, is simply Until It Rains is the title. So this morning, we are all different, right? Not one of us are alike. Each one of us are different. We're different in our looks, our sizes, our likes, our dislikes, our personalities, and the list could go on and on about how each of us are different. So if we are all different in those ways, why, what, what would make us think that we would worship God the same way? right? We all have different ways to worship him. There are a lot of different expressions of praise and worship in the Bible. But this morning, I want to talk about specifically eight expressions of praise and worship. Eight ways that we can send up those invisible vapors unto God so the clouds can be filled and then the rain can fall. So the first three that we want to look at this morning have to do with our mouths, I think it's pretty awesome that there are so many verses in the Bible about praising God with our mouth. The Bible tells us in James chapter 3 that the tongue can no man tame. It's unruly. It's full of deadly poison. You know, we out of our same mouth, we curse and we bless out of, you know, so I love that it. There's also scripture that says that we are to praise the Lord. What better way to tame that unruly member than to replace the negativity, to replace the condemnation, to replace whatever bitter is coming out with praise unto God, right? Amen. Because the Bible tells us there, a fountain cannot yield both sweet and bitter water. So if you're putting out sweet water unto the Lord, praise unto the Lord, that bitterness, that vile, that unruliness, that's not going to come out because it can't come out of the same vessel. So the first, uh, the first expression of worship by our mouth, uh, the most common Hebrew word for praise is halal. And I'm going to try to pronounce all of these Hebrew words correctly, but um, you'll just, if I pronounce it wrong, just please forgive me. Halal means to speak. It means to boast, to brag, or to rave about God, even to the point of appearing foolish. You know, people who attend football games and basketball games, you know, they're fans, and sometimes they appear real foolish, right? They don't care. Um, Jaw is the short-term form of the name for God. So what does that make you think of? What word does that make you think of? Halal and Jah, hallelujah, right? It is the premier word for praise in the Bible. It transcends languages of the world. It's not translated. Brother Eric is translating uh, into Spanish. Brother Eric, how do you say hallelujah in Spanish? Hallelujah, right? That is, it's universal. It doesn't change, but the, because it's just, 
it can't be translated. It's such a powerful word, it cannot be translated. It is a spontaneous outcry of someone who is excited about God. It's used 24 times in the Old Testament, and it's reserved for times of extreme exaltation. Psalms 150 is a familiar portion of scripture for all of us. You know, it it talks about praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens. So I'm going to replace praise him with the word hallelujah, because that's how it's originally written. Hallelujah, hallelujah in his sanctuary, hallelujah in his mighty heavens, hallelujah for his acts of power, hallelujah for his surpassing greatness. Let everything that hath breath say hallelujah, hallelujah. The word hallelujah is a powerful word. It's that it's not just saying praise the Lord, but it's actually just Everything that I feel about God is coming out in that. Like, it's just, you ever feel something so strong that words can't really put it out? You can't really put it into words? That's what hallelujah is. We love him so much. We're so excited about him that we, we just speak it out. It's used four times in the New Testament. All of them in Revelation chapter 19. Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to God. Hallelujah, revenge on the harlot, God is just after all. Hallelujah, God is still on his throne even though the world is destroyed. Hallelujah, our God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. Some of you may know that I used to be a cheerleader. I used to cheer for basketball when I was in middle school. If you know me at all, you know that I can be a little bit competitive not too crazy, just a little bit. <laughs> uh, but even when I was cheering, I wasn't playing the game, but that did not hold me back at all. I was a little bit crazy. I would scream and yell. I would jump. I would do flips. I, I didn't care who was watching. I didn't care what they thought of me, but I was cheering for my team. I believed in my team. I knew that they were going to be, we were going to win this. So then I had to cheer them on. Sometimes I would leave without a voice. I would be so passionate about it. I would, I would not, I would strip my voice completely. You know, we would have specific cheers for different parts of the game. You know, if we were winning, you know, it was, yeah, we can do this. You know, if we were losing, then we would do cheers of encouragement. Like, you know, defense, you know, come on, guys, get it together. You know, that's what we would do. But so this morning, I want to encourage you. I want to encourage all of us to get a praise phrase. You know, whether that's God is good or if it's hallelujah or glory to God, something that, and I want you to think about it right now. Think of something that could be specific to you, a a phrase you may already even say it. I know um, Sister Sylvia, a few years ago, she adopted the word Maranatha. And what that means is the Lord is coming. Jesus is coming. And so she signs her emails that way. And that's her praise phrase. You know, she's known for that kind of, so I want us to boast. Let's brag about the Lord. You know, in that praise phrase, let's let's just do it. Let's not care what anybody thinks. You know, this is kind of a funny story. When I was younger, I would be riding in the car uh, with some older people, and the car would be quiet. And have you ever been with somebody, and they're just driving, and they're like, thank you, Jesus. And they just keep driving, you know, and or I love you, Lord, you know. And when I was younger, I was like, Okay, what's going on here? 
And I kind of, I mean, that stuck with me. But you know what? The older I've gotten, I literally just did it the other day. I was driving, driving home from Walmart, and I was just like, oh, I love you, Lord. And I was like, okay. But that's a praise phrase, you know? Like, no one is there. It's not to anybody but to him. It's expressing how I feel about him. So take a minute and think about that. And if you, think, if you have something in your mind, tell the person beside you. What's your, what's your praise phrase? Does anybody have one that you want to share? That's something that you just, Brother Roberts? And there you go. Too blessed to be stressed. That's a praise phrase, right? Anybody else? No. Joy? I have heard her say that so many times. And that is a praise phrase. That's giving glory to God. Amen. So, Halal means to speak, to boast, to brag, to cheer for the Lord. The second expression of praise from our mouth is tehila. Tehila means to sing or a praise song. Exodus 15, 1 through 2. It says, Then sang Moses and the children of Israel this song unto the Lord, and spake, saying, I will sing unto the Lord, for he hath triumphed gloriously. The horse and his rider hath he thrown into the sea. The Lord is my strength and song. He is become my salvation. He is my God. I will prepare him in habitation, my Father's God, and I will exalt him. Singing is vital to the worship of God. We sing every service. There are over 300 Bible mandates to sing as worship. Exodus 15, it even suggests that that God is our song. He is our song. He gives us our song to sing. So Isaiah 61, verse 3, a very familiar portion of Scripture, says, To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise, the garment of a song for the spirit of heaviness. So this morning, if you want to shed that spirit of heaviness, how many know that it's heavy out in the world right now? It's heavy, and it's getting heavier every day. How do we shed that spirit of heaviness? By singing, by opening our mouth and singing. Sunday mornings, we usually, we have sound check before uh, prayer, and I'm usually the first one that has to check my microphone. And my mind always goes blank. I forget the entire set for the day. I don't even, the only song, the only thing I can think of is sing a song, sing a song. So my mind automatically goes to, I want to sing a new song. Shout it out louder than before. That's the song that I always go to for my sound check song. I'm literally, like, every time I sing it, everybody just starts laughing at me. So if you can't think of what to sing, sing a new song. I mean, that can come right real quick, you know, and it's worshiping God. Shout it louder than before. So sing unto the Lord. The third expression of praise from our mouth is tauda or shavak. You know, it's a lot of people say, have said it shavak, but it's actually pronounced shavak. And it means to shout or to address with a loud voice. Toda goes even a little bit further than just to shout. It actually means to shout with an attitude of gratitude for God's promised deliverance, even while I'm still in need. 
Psalms 47.1 says, clap your hands and shout unto God with the voice of triumph. Total praise, it's, it's not just giving thanks and giving praise to God, but it's actually having faith and assurance that it is well even before the victory comes. It's like we're praising before the victory comes. We can look to the example of David when he was trapped by the Philistines in Gath in Psalms chapter 56. He cries out, be merciful to me, my God. My enemies are in hot pursuit. They're running after me. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. It is in your word that I will praise. And Then, the last verse says, then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. David knew that God was faithful to his word. David knew that every attempt that the enemy had planned to destroy him was futile. It wasn't going to come to pass. Why? How did David know that? Because God had already promised David, David, you're going to be the king. You're going to sit on the throne. And that hadn't happened yet. So David said, you know what? God gave me a promise and I trust him for that. So no matter what the enemy does, no matter how hot the pursuit is, they're not going to win because that promise hasn't been fulfilled yet. I believe this morning that God has given each and every one of us promises. Some of them have come to pass already, but there are still some that are yet to come to pass. And I want to encourage you this morning, don't be downhearted. Don't be afraid. You don't have reason to fear, though the, the enemy may seem to be out after you, hot in pursuit. If the promises God has spoken to you have not been fulfilled yet, You have no reason to fear. You will win. You will have victory. So shout that praise. Shout that in worship. Shout for the victory. We've heard that so many times. I'm going to shout for the victory. Shout because I've been set free. Shout, right? That old song we used to sing. Shout because you, God, has already won the victory for you. The next three expressions that we're going to look at have to do with our hands, The first one is yada. It means to worship with extended hands or lifted hands. Psalms 134.2, it says to lift up your hands in the sanctuary. Praise the Lord. 1 Timothy 2.8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. This word yada, it it pictures a three-year-old, like a three-year-old child, like Jay, you know, running around, coming up to to Trey and saying, Daddy, hold me, hold me, Daddy, hold me. That's what, when we lift our hands, that's what that's expressing to God. It's often a cry for help. It's used when we are in a place of desperation. Have you ever just come into the presence of God and just all you can do is just raise your hands? Like, just because you're so desperate, you just need God? It is one of the most explosive and meaningful expressions of praise because, and I found this very interesting, we each have individual fingerprints and thumbprints, right? Not one of, that's another way that we're all different. So when we lift our hands unto the Lord, we are literally sending up a praise that cannot be replicated. It can't be duplicated. We may have the same praise phrase, We may dance or we may shout for the same victory, but when we raise our hands, we're releasing a vapor unto God, a praise unto God that nobody else can. It's personal when we lift our hands to God. It's the sign, it's the international sign of surrender. You know, it's like, okay, God, this is me. I can't be 
mistaken for anybody else. This is me, God. I'm desperate for you, and I'm surrendering to you when we lift our hands. The second part of hands is taka. It's fun, taka. It means to clap or to applaud. It expresses joy and victory. So the next time I lead worship, and I'm going to say, you know, let's all clap our hands. Let's all taka, okay? (laughs) No, I probably won't do that, but it'll be fun. Anyways, clapping in the Bible is an expression of adoration, of worship. It is to exalt God as the king of kings. It was used in recognition of him as the sovereign Lord. There's no one else like him. When we clap our hands, we are saying, God, you are king. You are king. A couple of interesting facts about clapping your hands is, this really doesn't have anything to do with the Bible, but I thought it was interesting. It says, clapping is very effective exercise to cure many human diseases. That was interesting. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> It activates the receptors in the palms of the hands, and it causes activation of the large area of the brain, which can lead to improvement in one's health. It's known to improve heart health and to improve blood pressure. So if you have blood pressure, what more reason to clap your hands? Or everybody has blood pressure if you have high blood pressure. (laughs) Or low, I guess it improves it. (laughs) Uh, It's... Blood circulation to various organs is also improved by regular clapping. You will also, I love this one, burn more calories the more you clap. So if you want to lose a little holiday weight, you know, just clap your hands because you're going to burn those calories. (laughs) So in the Old Testament, the mention of clapping in the temple, again, is to exalt God as king. When we clap our hands, we're exalting God as the king. Have you ever been somewhere at an event or a concert or even sometimes in church, I guess, there was so much clapping that you didn't know what was going on, that it was so loud that you couldn't hear anything and you were a little bit confused. Have you ever been in a place like that where there's just so much clapping that the preacher's preaching and everybody's just clapping and you're like, I have no idea what he's saying, you know? I believe, in my mind, um, even going back to a few weeks ago, pastors said that uh, when we clap, the enemy, all he hears is chains breaking. That's what the enemy hears. So in my mind, I can just imagine Satan and his demons, they're roaming the earth. They're, you know, on their mission. You know, they're receiving orders from Satan, you know, go here, go there, do this, do that. You know, and all of a sudden... The church comes together and one person starts clapping and Satan's like, whoa, you know, and then everybody starts clapping. And then all of a sudden the demons, like they're so confused. All they can hear is this static on the line. All they can hear are are chains breaking. And all of a sudden I just picture complete chaos in the enemy's camp. Because that's what happens when there's confusion is just complete chaos. But when we do that, when we come together and we begin to exalt God as the king by clapping our hands, the enemy is confused. I love that. It's just, I I picture that. So every time I clap my hands now, I'm going to think of that. I'm going to be like, all right, devil, you're you're so ridiculous. I'm just going to clap so you get confused, you know? Amen. I love Brother Christian's clap. Amen. The enemy gets confused when we clap. Amen. 
Amen. The third part for our hands is the mare. It means to pluck the strings of an instrument. It speaks of rejoicing, and it is involved with the joyful expression of music. It means to touch the strings. What it's, it's speaking of involving every available instrument to make music and harmony before the Lord. It's God's will that we be joyful. Amen. God doesn't want us to be sad. He doesn't want us to be depressed. He doesn't want us to be downhearted. He wants us to be joyful. Music brings me joy. How many, like, music can affect the atmosphere majorly. So Psalms 149 verse 3 says, Let them praise his name in the dance, but let them sing praises unto him with the timbrel and the harp. First Chronicles 15, 16 David spake to the chief of the Levites to appoint their brethren to be the singers with instruments of music, psalteries, and harps, and cymbals sounding by lifting up the voice with joy. Musicians have talent and they have ability, yes. They, and they hone those gifts. They hone those talents. They practice and they do those things. But musicians are appointed by God, they are absolutely appointed by God to release vapors of joy into the atmosphere. So Maddie, when you come in and you begin playing that piano, you have been appointed by God in the Levitical priesthood to bring joy to this congregation. Eric, when he starts beating those drums, he is releasing joy into the atmosphere. Those are the vapors that are being sent up to God. So they, I thought that was so incredible. Musicians, they're appointed by God. It, it is an anointing, an appointment from the Lord. The seventh expression of worship is barak, means to kneel. It is an expression of humility. Humility is, it is a modest or it's a low view of one's own importance. Psalms 95 Verse 3 through 6, for the Lord is a great God, a great king above all gods. In his hand are the deep places of the earth. The strength of the hills is his also. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. So when we kneel in worship, we simply, we're simply lowering ourselves so that God is lifted higher. John said it in the New Testament, I must decrease so that he may increase. One of my favorite verses right now is let God arise and again his enemy be scattered. So how does God arise? You are, we've already said he's the king of kings, he's the lord of lords, he's higher, the earth is his throne, I mean the heaven is his throne, the earth is his footstool. So how does God arise? How do we make him higher? By making ourselves lower. And the way we do that in a physical sense is we kneel. When we come to the altar, we're coming to the altar and most people kneel. That's in surrender. That's in humility to the Lord saying, God, your ways are higher than my ways. Your thoughts are higher than my thoughts. I'm putting you on the throne by kneeling before you. You can't be any higher than you already are, God. And I may have exalted myself a little bit higher than I should be. So, God, I'm going to kneel. I'm going to remind myself today that you are on the throne and not me. The eighth and final expression of worship is karer. 
and it means to dance. It is to express joy and celebration. 2 Samuel 6.14 says, David danced before the Lord with all his might. It's a form of praise, and it's a part of God wants us to dance appropriately. I cannot dance at all. I, I can't. I just, but, you know, I can, I can bounce a little bit. I can sway. You know, I may be off beat, but that's what I can do. That's my dance before the Lord. Others have their own dance. Like Brother Trey, he has his giraffe dance that we all love. And if you haven't seen it, then you should. But everybody has their own dance before the Lord. Just, <laughs> he's, he's like, wow, Jessica. Just like we have our own thumbprints when we raise our hands, we all have our own dance. And so we're sending up that vapor unto the Lord in our own way, in our own expression. God wants you to do that. God wants us to dance. It's an outward expression of how we feel on the inside. Sometimes you just, like, there are sometimes, okay, I'm going to put myself out there. Since I threw Trey under the bus, I'm going to put myself out there. I'm... 36 years old, okay, and there are still some times when I am so happy, and I usually, it's usually when I'm at home with my mom and dad and my sisters, and we're just having fun, and you know, no, no stress, no pressure of life, we're just together enjoying each other. There's sometimes I will skip through the house. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know why, but there's sometimes I'll just be walking around, I'll just be so happy, I'll just skip, you know, and that's, that's an expression on the outside of how I feel on the inside. And that's what dancing is before the Lord. That's all it is, is just, okay, it's the inside coming out. So it's that vapor going up. So when we praise the Lord through singing, shouting, dancing, a praise phrase, playing instruments, clapping, raising our hands, and kneeling, we're releasing those invisible vapors that ascend to the heavens. I want to remind us that when we praise, it's not just for ourselves. When our praises go up, just as the rain, just as the droplets are gathered together in the clouds, our praise is gathered together in the heavenlies. And so then, you know, it could be your praise that breaks the cloud. It could be your praise that pushes it over and is like, I cannot contain anymore. I'm going to pour out the rain. I'm going to pour it out on them. I'm going to pour it on their family, on the church, on the world even. It could be your praise. Your invisible vapor. So I want to go back to our handy source, easyscienceforkids.com. Rain happens in two ways. It can be a drizzle or a shower. A drizzle is a slow, light rain that can go on for hours. And a shower is a fast, heavy rain that lasts just a short while. Have you ever had a moment where the blessing of God is just dumped on you? You're just, it's just quick. It's like, whew. And you're like, whoa, I didn't see that coming. Or experience the service where the presence of God, it kind of takes a while for it to come in. But when it comes in, it just lingers. It's just that sweet, refreshing rain of the Lord. It's a shower of the Lord. Raindrops fall at a speed of 7 to 18 miles per hour. And I love this. It says in wind, they might fall much faster. Wind in the Bible is most of the time in reference to the Spirit of God. When we get the Spirit moving, 
when we've been praying throughout the week, when we come for pre-service prayer, the clouds are already beginning to fill. Those vapors are already going up and the clouds are beginning to feel. And so when we come in, then it doesn't take much for the spirit of God to fall. And when we join together in that corporate worship and that corporate praise, that's when the wind begins to blow and then the rain comes down a lot faster. Have you ever been in services like that where you can just almost feel the wind of the Holy Ghost? Have you, I mean, I have been in services like that, but it's because vapors have been, been sent up all week. We've all been praying. We've all been worshiping. We've been sending those up to God, and he's like, I can't contain it anymore. I've got to pour it out. Weather reporters use Doppler radar to detect rain, hail, and other storms. This equipment can tell how much moisture is coming as well as the wind speed. God has given us spiritual leaders that lead us. Leaders who, through the, their equipment of prayer, fasting, reading the word, they become sensitive to the atmosphere. And they can, you know, someone's leading in worship, they, they're sensitive to the atmosphere. And they're like, okay, if we just linger here for a minute, just sending up some more vapors, the rain's going to fall. So God has given, and even us, we can be sensitive to the presence of God. And we, we can be led by the spirit of God of like, okay, we need to send a little bit more. We need to push a little bit more before that can really be poured out. The rain contains more than just water. It might contain dirt, dust, insects, grass, or even chemicals. Brother Roberts kind of talked about this with, um, in his pre-service prayer point, um, Somewhat. When the rain from heaven, I believe that when the rain from heaven begins to fall, I believe there's a cleansing of the atmosphere that takes place. The presence of God, I believe it begins to fall and it begins washing every unclean spirit and every demon from their places. It dislodges them. Like Brother Roberts was saying, those ducks, it needs something to push those ducks or those turtles out of that current and dislodge them into the open sea. And I believe that's what the rain does. It cleans, it dislodges those, the evil, the wickedness that is in the atmosphere and it brings it down. And therefore we have power and authority over it. My final point says, well, kind of final point. Flash floods happen when it rains. We have a lot of flash floods around here because we're really close to the water. Water rises very quickly. They're dangerous. They kill more than the U.S. than tornadoes. That's shocking. But in case you didn't know, demons can't swim. In Mark chapter 5, Jesus comes onto the scene, and there is a, a man who has demons. He can't, be, he can't be bound with chains. He can't be tamed, they said. And so he comes to the Lord, comes to Jesus, and um, he's, verse 6, he says, Jesus saw him afar off. He ran and worshiped him. This man who was consumed with demons ran and worshiped Jesus. He was sending up vapors to the Lord. So when he cried with a loud voice, he's like, what have I to do with you, Jesus, the most high guy? God, I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Jesus said unto him, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He asked him, what is thy name? And he answered saying, my name is Legion, for we are many, many demons. He besought him that he would not send them away out of the country. But there was close to there, there were, there were, 
swine feeding. There was a mountain of great herd of swine. And the devils besought the Lord. He's like, send us to the swine. Send us into the pigs that we may enter into them. Forthwith, Jesus gave them leave. He gave them permission. I love that. He gave them permission. And the unclean spirits went out. They entered into the swine. The herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea and were choked in the sea. I like to think that the demons knew that the rain was about to come. And they were seeing a way out. They saw this, the pigs over there. And they were like, Jesus, we send us into those pigs? Can you imagine? Like, I can just hear, like, the de- they were probably really, really whiny, which is annoying. Demons, I can't imagine. Like, I feel like they're just super whiny, which annoys me. So Jesus then, he's like, okay, that's what you want, whining demons. Okay, as you wish, basically. He's like, okay, I gave you permission to go into the swine well, Jesus knew that the swine were going to go crazy and run off the mountain into the sea and drown. So Jesus is like, got you. You know, demons cannot swim. They like dry places. In Matthew chapter 4, after Jesus was baptized, he was led into the wilderness and was tempted by Satan. There's, there's no coincidence. He was led into the wilderness because that's the places that, the, that Satan likes. They like dry services. They like dry worship. They like dry praise. They like pers- dry personal devotion times. That's where the enemy plays. He loves that. He loves the dry land. But we also have the promise in the word of God in John seven thirty eight that he that believeth on me out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Meaning those demons are going to drown in the rivers that are flowing out of us. When, the, when we send up those vapors to God and the rain is released, the rain releases his sovereignty, his kingmanship, his power, and his authority back into the earth. We know that Satan is the prince of the air. That's what the word of God says. But when we lift the praises of God to the king of kings, the rain falls and the king will reign. Amen? But we have got to send up those vapors to God. Rain releases his generosity. If you have a need, any need, if it's with your family or financial Lift those vapors up to God in that generosity. That generous spirit of the Lord is going to be poured out upon you. Rain releases his loving care. If you, I know that through all of this, through COVID and through shutdown, through quarantine, that it's been really difficult for some of us. There's been a lot of depression. There's been a lot of hurt and a lot of heartache. And there's just been a lot of loneliness. But I'm telling you, if you need the love of God to reign in your life, begin worshiping him this morning. Because when you send up that vapor, his loving care, his protection is going to fall upon you. The last verse of our text in Job chapter 36, verse 33, it says, He hurls, he throws arrows of light, taking sure and accurate aim. He doesn't miss. He never misses. The high God roars in thunder against every evil. Every evil. Rain releases his lightning and his fury against evil. So I have a question for us this morning. In your life, how much does it rain? How much rain you get will depend on where you're living. We know that Hawaii gets a lot of rain because it's more of, it's a more of a moist, 
moist climate. Nevada, however, only gets nine and a half inches of rain each year because it's pretty dry. So where are you living this morning? Are you living in a climate that's dry or in a climate that is sending up those vapors to God on a regular basis? A climate that's familiar with, expecting, and we're prepared for the reign of God. So I want to encourage somebody this morning, as I close, you can stand. Remember that the sun doesn't stop rising just because it hasn't rained yet. The vapors don't quit ascending because they think, oh, those clouds are full enough. We praised enough last week. We don't really need to do it anymore this week. No, but they increase. In the summertime, when it needs to rain, the sun burns hotter. The humidity in the air increases almost where it becomes unbearable here in Maryland. Why? Because even nature knows that it must do its part in the process for it to rain. So this morning, we cannot quit. It may not have rained yet in your life. The answer may not have come. The heat may have been turned up in your life. But our response must be to continue to send up praise. Continue to send up vapors unto the Lord. Because he will have no other choice but to send the rain. Until he can't hold it back. It's going to happen. So keep singing. Keep shouting. Keep clapping. Keep kneeling in humility. Keep raising your hands in surrender. Keep playing that instrument. Keep dancing with all your might. Keep sending up those vapors to the Lord. And the latter rain, it's a promise in the word, the latter rain will be greater than the former. But we have got to send up vapors. Sometimes it is easy to start on your destination without really knowing the exact path it takes to get there. To get to our destination, we need to follow the one who knows our predestined path. So be sure to subscribe and watch us on Facebook Live every Sunday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also visit us at www.livinghopemd.com. I'm going away.